walking without skin, managing adversity with vulnerability. While I was doing all my lying, when I was in the middle of being abused, everybody else was doing the same thing. So I would say, oh, no, no, I walked into a door. This is where I got my bruise from. And then people, would, they knew I was lying, but they would still then play this game of repress and deny and go, uh, you know, you need to be more careful rather than actually go, what's really going on for you? Everybody has a story. Everybody wants to tell their story and wants it to be heard. Where can I find some protection to prevent this ongoing infection? You are listening to Walking Without Skin, the show where we encourage our guests to be vulnerable, to share their voices with authenticity, to tell their stories from the heart. We will talk about hope and recovery, about overcoming loss, changes, challenges, and adversities. We will walk without skin. And here is your host, Lois Wagner. Hi, I am Lois, your friend for forgiveness and the creator of Walking Without Skin. I have a book with the same title, Walking Without Skin. Today, I am very pleased to welcome our guest, Ingrid Lotzan. Ingrid is a co-founder of Hers and His, a diversity, equity and inclusion agency, she is a women's empowerment volunteer passionate about building gender equity or gender parity. Welcome, Ingrid. Wonderful to be here with you. And thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy that you are here. Ingrid, before we get started, I'd like to ask you, what do you understand by the term walking without skin? So for me, walking without skin means the, the feeling of being completely exposed. Skin keeps us covered. It's what covers our bodies. And walking without skin is just being completely exposed to me, which is so interesting because one of the, the talks that I'm doing now is a talk about how we need to stop, lie, hide, repress, and deny. And so we're all go through these things without you know feeling exposed but we actually repress them and deny them and hide them so yeah it, it's a, it's a, a lovely title to your book and it, it's fantastic that what you're doing because it's all about vulnerability and we need to be able to expose and not hide our true selves exactly and we don't. So it's just so fascinating because this talk that I'm doing is about gender-based violence. And what I say is actually 
actually that lyhyde represtinase good for humanity if we stop it. But the thing is that while I was doing all my lying when I was in the middle of being abused, everybody else was doing the same thing. So I would say, oh, no, no, I walked into a door. This is where I got my bruise from. And then people, would, they knew I was lying. But they would still then play this game of repressed and deny and go, uh, no, you need to be more careful rather than actually go, what's really going on for you? So, yeah. So I'm looking forward to hearing that talk. But that brings me on to my next question, which is how did you get into this line of work, this hers and this his and this diversity? Thank you for that question. It's actually, so my husband and I started individually on our own personal journeys, him doing men's work with Mankind Project and me doing women's work with an organization called Women Within. And we kept meeting in the middle and saying, there's this divide between how men are and how women are and how do we bridge the gap? So it was originally started, hers first, of course, but it was originally started to bridge the gap between men and women and, and build relationships in that way. And then it has grown from there to really be about helping people and companies be more inclusive and then be more connecting. From a personal perspective, the inclusion is around better relationships. And from a business perspective, that inclusion is around more profits. Yeah, it's been a lovely journey. I've loved every single second of it. So how, how do you operate? What do you actually do? So we have a number of things. We, we have workshops and a full training, a full training program. But basically what it is, it's broken up into five sections that are, can be isolated with the whole intention of cultivating connection, which is all about bringing in diversity and having inclusion. So some of the aspects that we, that we cover or the, the skills that we cover are understanding your unconscious bias, active listening, um, understanding microaggressions, productive conflict management and accountability. Those are the kinds of the key skeleton that we build it around. And when once people have those skills, so it's the same as if I can hold you accountable and hold myself accountable, then you and I can have trust. And that's what it's all about. If we don't trust one another, we can't work with one another, we can't have a relationship with one. So each, each aspect builds on one another and builds this connection between human beings. The biggest thing for me is that we have an ability to have conflict and conflict is actually useful. Most people think that it's actually, we stay away from it and now we can't have conflict. Our belief actually is that it's very helpful. It definitely is. We do need constructive conflict, not destructive. Constructive, yes. Yes, exactly. So, so do you work with groups, with individuals? So we work with both groups and individuals, and we also work in a private capacity and a corporate capacity. So in the private vein, Gavin and I do couples coaching, but we also do one-on-one -on -one coaching if anybody is needing it. We also run what we call connection groups. So there would be a connection group of men only that can actually get together and talk and be heard and feel like they're being seen. And that is completely free. Anybody can arrive. 
We just need more spaces for that kind of human connection. And then the corporate side of things is helping corporates build their diversity and inclusion or build team cohesion, build normalized conversations. So in one of the most recent projects, we helped normalize the conversation around gender-based violence in a large financial corporate, which is, it's very brave of that corporate and amazing to be able to start having these conversations in the, the corridors of a large organization. Well, that's so needed, not only in this country, but in the world. So can you share one incident or one experience you've had with clients that really touched your heart and perhaps changed the way you think or the way you operate? You've actually just given me goosies. And let me just tell you that the story is not new. It's back from 2018, but I get goosies every time. Thank you for asking that. So we, in one of our uh, biggest programs, which is around helping an organization address sexual harassment, which again is not around the sexual harassment, it's around connection and power parity. In a nutshell, this man was listening to a lived experience of women in the room and how they were sharing that they couldn't climb on the jungle gyms because they had a skirt and or a dress and mommy would say don't show your panties when they were young and so climbing up in the jungle gym was an issue for young girls and in that moment this father burst into tears and he said you know I've been fighting with my daughter about sorry with my wife about my daughter wearing dresses and I've insisted and he said I've just realized how I'm limiting my own child and so he left that session, he went and bought leggings, took, put them on, on his young daughter and took her to the jungle gym. And I don't think he'll ever go back to fighting that fight with his wife. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Sure. And, and I'm sure you build that story into a lot of your training. Actually, no. Um, the stories come from the room. And that's the, what we use is storytelling in the room to build the connection and understand the lived experiences. So no, not really. Uh, other stories have come out that also impact other people along the way, so yeah. It's amazing how people need to tell their stories. I did some work with an NPO recently and we just couldn't stop the people from standing up. And these were all uh, counselors and support people and how they all just stood up to share their own stories. It's, it's so sad that there are so many stories that people need to share. Absolutely. I see that all the time in the circles that I hold with women. And we've done it all the way. We actually had extra circles during COVID and lockdown and have continued. Everybody has a story. Everybody wants to tell their story and wants it to be heard. And the, the thing that I've learned about this is that actually giving somebody two minutes, just two minutes, is enough for that person to be able to feel like they've been seen and heard. It's quite amazing. It's so important. And it's also important to know that you don't have to share your story. You know, a lot of people feel pressurized to share their story, but you don't have to. Um, it, it's, it's totally voluntary. But if you, if you, but we are there to listen if you want to share your story. 
I, I agree with you there totally. And what often happens is people don't want to share their story because of, of guilt and shame. And I will hold up my hand and say, absolutely, that was my journey. And shame lives in shadow. So the invitation that we always give is actually share just a little bit of your story because the more you bring your story out into the light, the less shame and guilt there is, the more you can heal. It's so true, but it's also important to remember that you don't have to go public like you and I go. <laughs> you can, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> as long as you share it with somebody, whether it's a, a family member or a therapist or, or somebody, but do share it. It's important to get it out. I always say when you share it with the universe, it becomes more of a, a universal problem and not just your problem. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, yes. Totally agree with that. So what is the best advice you've ever been given? Wow. So many things. And now I've been caught off guard. <laughs> I think the best advice, and actually I found it difficult, to be honest, initially. The best advice I've been given is to be authentic and courageous in my authenticity and that's been hard it's been hard because there's been I have felt expectations on me in terms of how I should be so a, a stupid example I mean there are many many more but going gray and being authentic in in having this this grayness is just a tiny little bit of the courage of being myself and being authentic and there's all sorts of other things as well in terms of telling my story, speaking my truth. Yeah. I love that. And what is the best advice that you've ever given somebody else? Wow, I've given so much advice over the time. I think the advice that I've given each person that I coach or facilitate has been different in accordance with their needs in, at the moment. Um, but I think the, the, the key thing that I would say is the most important that, that I hold true for everything that I say to others is what is your intention? Because if you understand your own intention, then you will understand how you, you respond to other people, how that affects your relationship or the intention in terms of what you're, where your business is going. So, yeah, what is your intention is probably the, the key question and piece of advice for others so you, you also help people escape from an abusive situation how do you do that what do you, what advice or what guidance do you give them the first thing actually is connecting to what they need and what they want often people who have gone I mean, you would know this people who have gone through abuse or have gone through trauma deny themselves and denying what they're feeling it's either hidden and repressed or there's somebody else that has more need than I do. So it's really about, first of all, connecting to self and understanding what that person is wanting. And then guiding them through a step process that gets them to where they want to be slowly and safely. It's no good in pulling somebody else out of an abusive situation and causing more harm. So, yeah, slowly, one step at a time in the right way that's going to be helpful. 
So do you have any general tips then for people who are in an abusive situation other than one step at a time? Do you have some process or some advice you can give them? So the first thing is if you're in a, an abusive relationship and you want to get out, start with a plan in terms of how you're going to get out and where you want to be. And that plan might be that you might be financially abused, as an example. Start saving. Put all your paperwork that you need, copies of your paperwork somewhere that is safe. Gather it all. Have some sort of escape bag that is nearby that if you have to leave quickly, you've got your paperwork, your passport, your toiletries, some things to wear, and a place to go. So first things first is a first step leaving plan and then from that a plan in terms of how are you going to survive so it really is about thinking about it first rather than saying I'm leaving stuff you and then your own life is put in jeopardy but um, isn't that yeah. so sad that we've got a plan to leave an abusive relationship whereas the abuser should be the one leaving not us <laughs> completely completely and it took me two years to finally, and uh, yeah, it was just so difficult to eventually get to the point where I was like, okay, I'm done. Bye. But yeah, those two years was also about self-esteem. You know, the fear of will I be okay on my own, all those kinds of things make it complicated. What are we going to do about this? How are we going to get rid of these abusers and get them out of the homes? So there's one thing that I always say is we need to actually, this is not everybody else's problem. It's their problem, not my job, not my issue. I always say it's everybody's job and it's everybody's issue. And I think one of the biggest problems that we're having is that people turn a blind eye. They've heard something or they know something and we don't say anything. It's a private affair. It's not my business. And that, I, I think that is one of the biggest obstacles that we need to get through. The other obstacle, and it's pretty easy if all of us do it, if all of us start changing the narrative and questioning, being curious about the narrative, and that narrative is based on patriarchy and our systemic violence, when we start questioning that, that as a general global nation, then we will start understanding what's getting in the way, what's fueling gender-based violence or just violence as a whole. When we start questioning it, it's, very, it's a lot more difficult to do, A, and B, it's easier to speak up. So it's, it's a slow process, but actually we can all do something tomorrow by doing a little something, questioning the narrative and cultivating connection. You know, I'm working on a project uh, to stop bullying and harassment and sexual violence called BRAVE. What does the word, what does the word BRAVE mean, mean to you? What does the word mean to you in this context? In this context, so I'm trying not to use, I actually looked at, looked at your BRAVE thing now just before our, our interview and it's, it's amazing. So I'm not going to use your terminology and brilliant way of saying it. I think BRAVE, for me in this context is having the courage to connect to yourself and your own needs and looking after yourself in your decisions and your actions and your behaviors. 
um, which is often hard. <laughs> it's it's always hard, I think. <laughs> so yes, uh, very very important. It is that courage, and it does take courage to be seen, to be heard, and your as your talk is about to stop denying and to get out there. So you've got another another aspect to your business uh, in marketing. Tell me about that. Actually, so my, my career started in marketing and communications. So I'm actually an accredited communications practitioner, which, which adds value in terms of what we're doing now from a hers and his perspective. I've been working with my husband in our own agency, doing communications and marketing for the last 22 years. And that really is completely it has fueled the ability to be able to first of all communicate and second of all facilitate and train people from a connection perspective we have an advantage in being able to use that communications base in the platform that we have for hers and his yeah I, I still enjoy it I still love what I do social media has made it very interesting and yet I have more of a passion for building equality and equity. I was going to ask you what inspires you. Uh, actually, what really inspires me is people like you and stories like yours. People who have stepped out of a situation and found their courage and found their resilience, which is something that you speak about. That inspires me. Stories from other people. Yeah, that's, that's fuel for the heart. Stories are so powerful. So back to, back to your marketing hat. If you had a billboard, you could put anything on a billboard, what would you put on it? Wow. What is your intention? Just that. Because it actually, it, it, that question in anybody's head, it doesn't matter who you are in the world, is quite impactful and gets you to think. Interesting. Sure. It really will get you to think. Let's hope the intentions are good intentions. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, the thing is, with that, with that as, as an example, um, when people are in conflict, and I just recently had this in a coaching environment. I asked the person, okay, so what is your intention when you go and have this conversation with this friend that you're, you're fighting with? And the intention was, well, the intention was to tell her that she's wrong. And I was like, mm, well, that's interesting because that's not connecting. <laughs> um, is your intention to hold on to the friendship? Or is your intention to tell her that she's wrong and never be her friend again? So actually, when we connect with what we really want in terms of our intention, it reveals something that is below what our behaviors, um, which is quite revealing. This very interesting aspect. <laughs> what is your real underlying intention? And often people aren't aware of what the intention really is. They just want to resolve the immediate issue without thinking beyond that. Exactly. Also, I think it also, so it helps me, and this is something that we have done with all of our staff, before we do anything, whether it is a meeting, whether it is now chatting to you, 
we always set an intention before we go into that. So my intention in joining you in this conversation was to have a connecting conversation and to share some knowledge that both you and I have accumulated through our, our experiences. Um, there might be an intention for a meeting, as an example, that will be to, to persuade the client to go for something or persuade them that they're making a mistake in the decision to do something else. But when we have the intention set, it's very it's a lot easier to direct where you want to go in a positive way that is in integrity with, with what you want to achieve. Sure, it's not it's easier said than done most of the time. <laughs> but but you used a very important word there is integrity. If we live with integrity, then we can solve so many problems. Absolutely. Yeah. It's also very interesting that integrity, asking that question, what's your intention and and being in integrity is people that are egoic, when you ask them what is their intention. And they kind of slip into being in, in integrity with themselves. Often there will be an answer like, well, I want everybody to know how great I am. And that's how, oh, okay, right. Well, okay, let's let's explore that a little bit more. Um, that, so it helps people get in, into their integrity. That leads me to the R of my brave, which is respect. Because I find it very diff difficult with respect because it means different things to different people. And, uh, you know, I, I use the example, a man opens a door for a woman and she says, I can open my own door. So the next time he doesn't open the door and a woman says, what's wrong with you? Aren't you a gentleman? Can't you open my door? So it gets very confusing. How do you understand what and who and how to respect other people because they have different definitions and needs within that, within that? Another example is I don't like to be called auntie, and uh, but other people have been taught that is the polite and the right thing to do to call an older person auntie. So are they respecting me by calling me auntie or are they respecting me by calling me by my name, which is what I prefer? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so in, in, our, in the work that we do, because we're all different, we all come from different backgrounds, religions, cultures, and we don't, often don't understand one another in terms of those, like you say, you know, don't call me tiny or auntie. So the, the, the thing that we say is ask, the, ask questions. And there's a tool that we teach, which is, which is impact intention. And how it goes, if I may use your example, it would be when you said, hello, Tani uh, Lois, or whatever it might be, um, was it your intention to make me feel like I'm old? Because the impact on me is that I feel, and so you, you use emotion as part of it. Nobody can question your emotion. And then what you say is, it would be even better if you just called me Lois, because then I'm on your level and I'm not, I'm not seen as older than you. That person then understands what the impact is on you and you understand what their intention is because it's a genuine question to hear what they have to say. And that person will probably say, well, my mom taught me that. What do you mean? That's what, that, what's what I call everybody. So it starts a conversation in that little tool, which then builds understanding 
between humans. I like that. Thank you. So, Ingrid, how can listeners reach you? Best thing to do is to, if they want to email, they can email awesome at hers and his now. And it's the all the words in one um, space. So awesome at hersandhisnow.co.za or go to Facebook and find hers and his now on Facebook. You can also find us on LinkedIn if you look for hers and his on LinkedIn. And yeah. I'll put all the detail in the show notes so people can find you. Awesome. So thank you. How about a last tip for our listeners? Cultivating connection with our fellow human beings is how we're going to change the world. And what cultivating connection means is being curious about the differences that we have with one another. So important to understand those differences. We live in such a multicultural world. It's absolutely essential. So everybody, go out, make some great connections, and I invite you all to fly free. Thank you for listening to Walking Without Skin. We would love your feedback, opinions, suggestions, and ratings. Please share this podcast far and wide to encourage more people to share their stories with vulnerability and authenticity.